0: Cue Stephanie.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special fall October edition of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio.
2: You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and you stole my line, but that's okay.
1: Sorry, I made a couple for that.
2: That's yeah, okay. It
1: was coming out of my it's mouth. It's still too the quick, five excited.
2: really mighty yes. stations of Annunciation Radio.
1: Indeed. And just to see Deacon Mike, tell me it doesn't bring warmth to your heart. Yep, you know, it happens to come in once in a while and... Uh, Just the faithfulness of those who respond to God's call beyond what makes sense, like Our Lady, the first joyful mystery to say, Be it done unto me according to thy word. So that's kudos to you, Deacon Mike. Write a donation to him right now. Let's keep this place going, even though it's not that funding season. I know it's coming up. It's always funding season. It is. Exactly. So come on. So, folks, um, you know, we are beginning to see the glory of God alive in the trees, the foliage turning colors. And we like to pronounce this. All of the physical creation gives glory to God as these leaves are turning the magnificent colors. What are they signaling? They're really signaling death, the beauty corresponding to death. And our lives in the process in this world of dying, similarly God designed to give glory to him in the process of dying. And by the way, if you're listening to me right now, you're in that process. Every single person listening right now, it's a sobering thought. We are in the process of dying, but something else is being born in us. And how awesome that is. And tonight we are so blessed to have a brother and sister in Christ who are going to share with us, I think, their powerful journey that many of us have shared with them. Uh, Colleen. Colleen. Wow. That's crazy. Connie. Connie and Rich Cronin. <laughs> That's is what happens when I have a little port before uh, a yeah. yeah, radio program. Truth. So Connie and Rich Cronin, very blessed to have you guys with us tonight. How are you guys doing? We're doing, We're great. doing great. Thank you so much. Awesome. So we've talked about this really for a couple of years because I've known Connie and Rich as people, good Catholic brother and sister in Christ, fellow parishioners who've been very involved in our community in many different ways, and um, they're given witness all the time in, in quiet ways, in very humble ways. Uh, Rich and Connie are with Ed Schmidt Auto. They, you know, they would maybe would want you to know it, not a big deal, It's but for them it's all about using their gifts for the glory of God. It's all about, you know— giving him glory in every single aspect. But they've got a journey that they're going to share with us because truly a few years ago, I'm going to say this, were it not for God's miraculous love through the physical arts, medical arts, learning of doctors and applying that knowledge, that's a miracle, That the gift of intelligence and in applying that, and the miracle of prayer, the miracle of community, were it not for those two evident examples of God's love Rich wouldn't be with us here tonight. And uh, recently, just a few Fridays ago, it was pronounced that he is cancer-free. And I wish I had a little button to push and we'd hear the applause and praise God. And, and it's awesome. You can join us in that. But um, you, folks, seriously, what, what is this? It's certainly we're going to hear this story now. But as you're hearing this story, I want you to hear sort of your own story of whatever in our own lives is in need. How we're being humbled, whatever that may be, relationally, physically, that our God is a God of love who reaches down into our world, into our physical world, and that there's power in prayer. There's power in humbling ourselves and coming before him. So we just want to hear the story tonight. We want to hear the story of proclamation and give glory to him who has a purpose, because we also acknowledge tonight that there are many who at the same time perhaps got a similar diagnosis and are not with us, or are in hospice right now. And God was just as present and is just as present in their circumstances. And the prayer is just as applicable in a mysterious way. And so wherever you're at tonight, I'm going to lead us in prayer right now. Let's be mindful and open our hearts that God is not distant. That in this faith of ours, we struggle, let's face it, right? We have a hard time in this world to look at the world, read the news and everything, and wonder, where is God? But he's truly with us. We want to open our hearts to hear him and be aware of his presence tonight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we just want to keep it real because you are real presence. We refer to you as real presence, not fake, not artificial, not hiding, but real and present to us. And too often, Lord, if we're honest We distance ourselves from you, from our wounds, from our hurts, from our fears of being hurt by other people. You want to break through all that, and you did, Lord, when you took on flesh and blood. You entered into our humanity, God, and through the Eucharist and through our church, you are still present with us. You're still pressing in on us, and you invite us to open our hearts and our minds to experience you. And so attune us right now, God, all the more to your miraculous, loving presence. You want to work tonight. You want to speak to us personally. You are a God of miracles. You're still working, and we desire all the more to know that God, that we can be drawn into a deeper intimacy with you and in you with all others. We ask this in your name, and we do pray the Hail Mary in this beautiful month of Mary, uh, through whom you chose to come into this world and through whom you pour forth all graces. Hail Hail Mary, full of of grace, grace, the the Lord is with thee.
0: Blessed art thou among women, and blessed
1: is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray Pray for for us sinners, sinners, now now and at at the the hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Rich and Connie, we're just delighted to have you with us mm-hmm. as we celebrate this continued journey. Really, this is a waymark that we're wanting to proclaim God's glory. Who knows what we're going to face in the next week or month or year, but we have a moment now to thank God for what he's done. And so just for our listeners, the next, you know, short bit of time we have together, um, we're going to begin, as we really are challenged to do, we read uh, Revelations 12-11, um, that they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb which is the Mass, and the word of their testimony. So it's, it's tough for us, folks. I get that. Those of you out there, you don't maybe believe that you have a testimony that merits being heard, but I just want to affirm you do. You have a story, and I encourage you tonight or tomorrow as you discern it to really share appropriately that story. I'm going to put uh, Connie on the spot, ladies, first, to share with us a little bit of her background and, you know, just Connie, how did you come to more fully understand and really embrace Jesus Christ in our Catholic faith?
3: Well, Gary...
1: <laughs> hey, thanks, Susan. Thank you. Yeah. I deserve Touché. it.
3: Um, you know, I would say to those who don't think they have a testimony, that's kind of my story. I um I'm the story of slow and steady wins the race, I think. Um nothing exciting really ever happened to me. Um so except for Rich of Thank course. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah um,
0: what about I'm me? gesturing?
3: Which yeah. is <laughs> a solemn look in his face.
2: I like, oh, she started but, at the
3: um, beginning. <laughs> no, so I just grew up in in a really great German Catholic farm family home. I was the oldest of six kids and uh you know, and thinking about this, I really uh just remember, you know, working hard and going to church and and mm. church was our community. Everyone knew each other. Um and uh, I remember from an early age my mom being really pro-life and and signing up to be, you know, her name in the in the uh, Cincinnati paper for the people Ooh. that were pro-life. You know, so I just remember some of those really early things and uh, those little things that planted some seeds and were significant. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, so I was always Catholic, even uh, in those college questioning years and partying fun years. I I still went to mass every single week. Um, and, and I knew that I always wanted uh, a good, hardworking, faithful Catholic husband. The only caveat was that he wasn't going to be a farmer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she tried to make me one. <laughs>
3: you
1: make um, a good farmer rich, by the way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but really what I feel like is that my faith just kind of grew and matured as I grew and matured as a woman and as a wife mm. and as a mother. Um, you know, We might talk about it later, but, you know, we married, had kids, moved to Toledo. Um, The first big decision I think we ever made in our faith after our marriage was finding a parish. Mm -hmm. And um, we really did, when we moved here from out of town, kind of searched for a parish home as we searched for a home. That's awesome. Um, And later, as Rich really started to grow in his faith, we both began to read. And so I almost feel like one of the the Protestant people that read their way to a deeper faith. Mm -hmm. So we both started reading and reading and reading and uh, watching EWTN, listening to Annunciation Radio in the early days. And uh, that just kind of brought me to a deeper love of the faith and the love of our Lord.
2: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Connie. I have to say this. So Connie is beautiful and always looks beautiful and just is always styling it and looking so classy and cool. And I have to point out to our listeners without even trying, without by the even way. trying. Um, she is beautifully, cute, cutely dressed right now. Red and blue are the colors she has on. And her <laughs> headphones are <laughs> accessorized. She has the ones with the red tape that blend beautifully in. So she's beautiful inside and out. Rich. Oh,
0: thank you very much. Well, mine is a little bit different than Connie's, although it, it, it's very similar, but I grew up. Uh, in a Catholic home, I'm the ninth of eleven kids from Cincinnati, awesome. and um yeah, lived a, a good Catholic life. But you know growing up Catholic, um our family was one really to keep uh keep uh keep our faith in church for an hour a week. Mm-hmm. and when we left church, you know, we didn't necessarily live our faith uh the way we we probably should have, although my my parents were good, good um Catholic witnesses. Uh, silent witnesses in the way they lived their life, not in the way they spoke. Mm-hmm. But um, but, anyways, I, I grew up uh, Catholic, and and uh, uh, during my college years and after college years, I probably drifted a little bit from the church, but always um, stayed somewhat faithful. You know, always went to mass, um, always knew it was ingrained in me. Um, but but, you know, didn't have that spiritual life that I that I desired or needed. Um, and I, I met Connie. And Connie was a great influence on in my life and, quite frankly, a great influence on my Catholic life as well um, because there was no doubt we were going to, uh, you know, uh, go to church and and, 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 um, and live our faith. Um, but, you know, still, even in those early years of marriage, I, you know, I was somewhat spiritually dead. Uh, I, uh, I I did it more out of um, habit more than anything else. Um, and about, about 12 years ago, I... Uh, Started searching a little bit more. I wanted mm. to learn more. I wanted to know God a little bit more. And Connie was encouraging me as well. Um, for chirp had been going on, Christ Renews His Parish had been going on at St. Joan of Arc for the last seven or eight years prior to that. And I think every year I had been invited to Christ Renews His Parish and every year I told somebody else that I wasn't gonna go. <laughs> you know, so I, I yeah, I was the best at finding an excuse not to go. Um, but Connie kind of encouraged me this last time to go, and, and um, I decided, well, okay, if I'm going to go, then I'll take it to God, and um, I decided to go to Mass uh, the week before the event. I still hadn't made up my mind, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pray to God and see if, if He wants me to do this. So I, uh, I, I after receiving communion, I, I kneeled down, I said, okay, God, if it be your will that I go to Christ Renews His Parish, then you show me a sign. <laughs> So, of course, I couldn't figure out that, you know, eight years of invitations is signed. <laughs>
1: <but> <laughs> send another one. You know. yeah,
0: but send me another one. So anyways, uh, I went home. We went home after Mass, and we, we didn't receive the mail uh, from that Saturday. So I went to the mailbox to get the mail, and we were uh, ready to make breakfast for the kids and, and for everybody. And I pull out a letter, and I get a letter from a uh, 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 Mike Timmerman, who I didn't know at the time. I opened this letter up, and it says, "Congratulations on your decision to attend Christ Jesus Parish." That's great. That's so I great. had my sign, but anyways, I, I I did attend the following week, and um, uh, it was a great weekend. But uh, I I really had a a great encounter with Christ that weekend, and and it occurred in in adoration. And for mm. for some reason, you know, growing up Catholic all those years, I wasn't very participatory in and, and, and Catholic uh, life, and I, mm-hmm. I can never remember going to adoration. And I went that day, and um, uh, the chapel was dark, and uh, people were reverent and, and on their knees. And I, my knees hit the ground, and I just felt this overwhelming presence, this presence mm-hmm. that I have never felt before. And immediately, my eyes, my ears... My heart was opened mm-hmm. to, to Christ, to Jesus, and I just knew that He was here with me in the presence of the Eucharist. And and I couldn't have explained the the Eucharistic presence before that moment and after that moment I could. Mm-hmm. And I just felt Him in such a way. And um, I, you know, at the same time, when you feel that presence, uh, the the shame and the guilt mm-hmm. of all those years mm-hmm. of sin came flooding over me. But at the same time, a love I had never felt before came flooding over me. And so those emotions turned into tears, and I couldn't stop crying. I mean, it was just, I was an emotional wreck, to tell you the truth. And, um, you know, here I was with this guy's weekend retreat, and I'm trying to be uh, keep my composure, and this chapel is dark, and I am scared to death to leave the chapel because uh, I am crying my eyes out. <laughs> And I don't it's want beautiful. people to see me like that. And so we were in there about 20 or 30 minutes, and I couldn't stop crying. And I just said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do, but please let me stop crying.
2: <laughs> That's great.
0: Um, but in, in all that, I heard his voice, and I had never heard his voice before, and it came um, in, in a silent whisper in my, in my head and his voice said to me, um, you are my witness and your tears are your testimony. Mm, and, beautiful. you know, I, wow. I, I could tell you this before that moment. I would never, ever. I, I, I just feared talking about my faith to anybody. Mm. You know, my faith is private. Personal. You know, it's personal, all that. And after that, I, I just realized how important it is to share my faith with others. That's awesome. Um, but anyways,
1: how old were you, you at that point when you made your crusade? Sure. About
0: forty years old. So, okay, yeah, about twelve years ago. And you know, it, it, it turned me around. I, I started. I actually started attending daily mass that following week, and have been doing that since then. And, and, and now I look back, and and it was day by day that changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a moment, but it was day by day that. Um, that my life was transformed over the last 12 years.
1: That is amazing. And folks, just a quick note that can't be missed. You know, Mike Timmerman, whether you were the one who knew Rich and thought you were going to give him an invite without him agreeing to it, or whatever, you know, folks, how easy it is to invite people to these various things, Crisio, Chirp, Acts, to invite them at an event. And here you have a testimony of what happened by that simple gesture of invitation to encounter Christ. That is so beautiful. And of course, the Eucharist. I mean you see Christ in the form of bread. is very undramatic, you know, as far as experience is concerned, but something supernatural happened, that encounter happened. And uh, good testimony to us Catholics that it's the same Jesus that you experience that day that we get to experience at every Mass. In fact, that we get to receive, that we become that tabernacle. I'm just moved as you're sharing that, Rich, and I'm called myself, any of us who are listening, who've had that powerful moment to not lose sight of the um the desire that God has to increase that intimacy ever more. So, just uh, that beautiful sharing of the backgrounds. But you guys got to say a word on, you know, like Pac Man. They meet. So you got to tell us <laughs> little, tell us a little bit of the story. Um, how did you guys meet? You know what? What? Give us a little bit of your meet story.
3: I have to say, so totally random. We're both twenty five, living in Cincinnati, working our career professional lives, and. uh, It was kind of like a charity event for young singles, and this guy says to me, do I have the winning ticket?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll explain why That's that ha- occurred. So <laughs> <Just leave it. laughs> I, I got invited by my cousin and his girlfriend, and my brother and his girlfriend, and so I was literally the fifth wheel in this <laughs> deal. So, and I really, just I really, really didn't want to go. I it kind of like the chirp thing. There's a lot of things I don't want to go on, but God, <laughs> God gets me there somehow. Mm. But anyways, I didn't want to go, and I went, and of course, as soon as I got to the party, those four were out of the picture, so it was me. Standing around looking at the ceiling. And and I see a group of girls, and I'm like, well, that's my only chance to talk to somebody, so... (laughs) So I came up with the best line I could. That
3: was really good. That was good. And because I pay attention to, you know, the announcer, I'm like, no, that is not the winning ticket. <laughs> but I could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, Stephanie, we talked for the next two hours, like my friends drifted off. And all I remember is, is talking to him for two hours and, uh, that was a saturday night he called me on sunday i think we went on a date on tuesday we went on a date on friday and yeah we were you know from then on so it was pretty pretty good cuz we were a little older we were 25 sure. we you had recently moved back to cincinnati and uh, so it was good so then uh, we married about two and a half years later in 1995 um we had our first daughter in '97, and a uh, few months later, Rich gets calls from headhunters mm. who say, "Do you want to move to Toledo?" And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't think that was the reaction from Connie.
0: Cincinnati Reds. To, or, come on, Toledo or from Hens. Colleen. Does it get better than that? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, we had a little baby, and Connie really started Go to get, get the urge. To stay at home because Mm. it was hurting her to leave the baby every Mm. day and um you know it was god's providence that we got this job offer because it was literally twice the money that i was making here it was a you know it would allow her to to stay at home and um so we looked at it and we we came up here and um i really liked the job Uh, i was the cfo of ed schmidt auto group and uh and then um uh, I wanted to accept it, and I brought Connie up, and Connie literally uh, cried her way home and said, I can't move.
1: Uh, <laughs> what year is this, roughly?
0: 97? Oh, it was 97. 97. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I turned down the offer, and uh, the owner, Tom Schmidt. Uh,
3: Sent his wife he, down to Cincinnati. <laughs> and he says,
0: I'm, I'm not extending this offer to anybody but you. Uh, it's yours to take. And um, so literally uh, – uh, he gave us weeks to decide, and it took about three weeks. And Connie says, "I'm ready to go now." Oh. Wow, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> beautiful. Need to settle into the thought
2: of it, right? That's now.
0: awesome. So, Cincinnatians, I know you're a and Cincinnati a, Reds she guy. She
2: got a note from Mike Timmerman that said, "No, right?" <laughs> yeah. right. that's
1: great. <laughs> so, we got the Cincinnati Reds and the Bengals, uh, who are, I believe, beloved to, to both of you, right? Yes, we're we're big fans. Who okay, did? and you made your way to Toledo, and now beautiful Abby, Maddie, and Charlie. Charlie, who is, what, a sophomore at Central He's Catholic? He's a junior. Like I said, junior. Um, and then Maddie, of course, Steubenville. It's her birthday today, right? Yeah, so happy we got birthday. to Maddie. Abby. And uh, Abby, where's Abby at?
3: Abby is in her fourth year at University of Cincinnati, so okay. it comes full circle.
1: All right, a little bear cat. Awesome. So um, trace for us a little bit, Rich, because it was a little bit of God's leading, and I like this story, too, that uh, our God, the Word, became flesh. He wants us to... Um, really recognize revival is in the world. It's as a mother, it's as a father, it's in business, it's in work. You know, you brought excellence as a CFO of Ed Schmidt Auto Group. In fact, we moved here five years ago and I was so impressed by godly men who are endeavoring to live it out and be real and humble and holy and pursue it in their secular capacities. And you really gave Great witness to that. And shortly thereafter, so you, you began to sort of be attuned to the opportunity of possibly purchasing Ed Schmidt that you never would have thought. Just give us a little bit of sense of God working through that.
0: Well, yeah, it, um, our owner, uh, well, the company had been through a lot of turmoil in, the, in 2009 and 10 because we had lost a number of franchises and uh, through the bankruptcies of GM and Chrysler. And so we really got s- small as a company. And our owner, after we went through that process, which was an extremely difficult process of going from 300 employees to 125, um, he, he decided he wanted to sell. And so uh, he was, tried to purchase or sell it for a number of uh, months, was unsuccessful. I, I told him, you know, I said, uh, can I purchase it? And he says, well, if you can raise the money, you know, you can do it. Well, I didn't have really any Five, money. Ten bucks? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Connie comes home and finds some digging in the cushions of the couch. Yeah. You know.
0: But I knew bankers and I knew people and I knew Tom was willing to extend some um, some credit to me. And basically, literally, uh, I-, I was able to piece together funds. Um, and it was a long journey. It took about a year for me to do it. And, uh, and God was really uh, kind of providential the entire way he I just we just prayed and said you know God if this is your desire then show us how to do it and there was uh, one um, real estate person who came um, he actually owns a big real estate company out of Washington DC his wife is from Perrysburg he went to Notre Dame and it was literally traveling through Perrysburg and we had met through a LinkedIn request and decided to have lunch and it was him who got me a lot of the money to do the wow. deal, and I had, you know, it was just one of those uh, uh, fluke things. But um, but it, it was a long process, and we were able to eventually buy the dealership about three and a half years ago. So I I keep telling everybody I'm I'm halfway through the book how to buy a dealership with no money down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. So folks, I I um. Was really blessed. I already stated just uh, the 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 I don't know the anointing that we have with our gifts and to bring them into this world. And of course, Rich and Connie involved in this experience. And uh, Rich, I would hear many times from people who were either customers of Perry'sburg Auto Mall, which is synonymous with Ed Schmidt Auto Group. Um, You know, I would hear just the high accolades for, you know, let's face it, ethics. When you deal with car dealerships, some people have negative connotations. And I heard very positive comments made about the culture, made about the people. And um, I knew Rich at this point well. And uh, to hear, obviously, a member of our parish, that he was even hosting gatherings during Lent for those who would want to, employees uh, of, uh, Perry's Auto Mall, at Schmidt Auto Group, um, to hear little presentations that would take place on a weekly basis during Lent. I mean, how many people do that? And again, voluntary, there's no force there. But the culture and the climate to walk into this secular place with these really sweet cars sitting in the, you know, come in the front door, and then to find, you know, these tables neatly set up, and 40, 50, 60, maybe even more. I'm probably How many were there at, at any given point? Maybe 60, 70, 80 people?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we'd have, yeah, 80, 80 90 people come, yeah.
1: So business, people coming in for the purpose of what? To more fully discover God alive uh, in their leadership and their businesses, to grow together. Um, So another great example. Um, Before we even go further, Rich, so Steph and I have been here a little over five years. I first met you with two other brothers, Rhino and Pat Ehrman. Um, You had had a powerful experience a year or two prior. So we're talking maybe 2013. Um, You had some very... Uh, I don't know, uh, appointed moments following CHIRP um, that took you to Las Vegas, let's just say Las Vegas, and you connected with um, Peter Herbeck and that group. Just trace for us briefly how the Holy Spirit moved powerfully in your life during that time down to Las Vegas, and then bringing Lift Jesus Higher here, and just the impact that's had on your life and what you learned with these brothers.
0: Well, after I attended CHIRP... um there, Christ Renews His Parish, the follow-up is to to go back six months later and present to another group of, of uh, people. And uh, I actually went on the last retreat of St. Joan of Arc, so there was no next Christ Renews His Parish. Um, several years after that, I had been involved in a men's group, so our, our, our team kind of formed a men's group, and we brought that man as you to, uh, to uh, St. Joan of Arc. And so we were involved in a men's group for a number of years, and um, uh, a, a parish out in Las Vegas uh, wanted to bring Christ Renews' parish out there, and the priest was from Toledo, and he reached out to parishioners at St. Joan of Arc to, uh, to, to uh, witness the Christ Renews' parish to that parish. So um, I was asked to be on that team, and uh, it was a great experience. So uh, ten of us went out and presented Christ Renews His Parish to 22 men and, and to a group in uh, in Las Vegas. But when we came back from that retreat, you know, we, we were discerning, you know, what next, and it was such a powerful weekend. Um, I really felt, on my heart, just as the other members of the team did, that we were called to do more. And um, a series of events occurred at that, you know, discernment meeting, and um, I came home, uh, and Connie and I always taped, the journey, the home. journey
3: home, mm-hmm.
0: and so we 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 really kind of fell in love with that program and has helped us in our in our own journeys to to learn more about the faith. And I love Marcus Grody, yeah, so guy. so we, we, guy, yes. And uh, so I we turned on uh, the journey home that night, and Debbie Herbeck happened to be on. And Debbie is uh, is married to Peter, and she's with Renewal Ministries, and she's a Jewish convert to the faith. And um, our our Topic that evening when we were talking was you know why do why do not Jews come to the faith and and it really got us off on this tangent it was a crazy tangent because it had nothing to do Mm. with what we were trying to discern. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, then the Lord works. Yes, but then I see this program and it was uh, I was like, wow, she's relating everything we talked about in our conversation tonight. And so I just felt this strong urge to send her a note, which I did, and her email was on the screen, and, and so I sent her a note, and Peter Herbeck uh, replied a couple of days later and uh, said, um, Shalom, I, I I need you guys to come up here and have dinner with me and tell me your story. So he was moved by my letter, and so we uh, met with uh, Peter Herbeck and, and Ralph Martin and uh, and Debbie, and um just had a good dinner and shared our stories, learned about renewal ministries, and learned that they do this lift Jesus higher rally in in uh toronto every year and and so um several of us uh w- willie meyer and Pat Ehrman, decided to to visit um this uh, lift Jesus higher rally in Toronto and see what's going on and we so we went there it was this uh march i don't know what year maybe two thousand twelve or something and um So we go to Toronto, and there's 5,000 people there. They have two conferences, a huge youth conference, a huge adult conference. They have excellent speakers. Father Jonathan Morris was was speaking. And it was just the most beautiful weekend we had ever had. And um, we came back in the car and said, we got to bring this to Toledo. And um, so by the time we hit hit U.S. uh, territory, we had a plan in hand, and 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 didn't know how it would work, <laughs> but uh, but by you know by God's grace, uh, it all came together. Uh, Bishop Blair approved it, and Peter and Ralph said yes. We will put this rally on in Toledo, which th- they had been asked to do many times across the country. But they said uh, they feel called. They felt a call to be in Toledo as well, mm-hmm. and so we put this on. So for three years, we we had this conference. The first year. We had close to 2,000 people come to the convention center. It was a great weekend. We also had Father Jonathan Morris, and it was a very, very moving weekend. So Thank you. So, folks, if you've
1: been familiar with that, just the blessing of the humble uh, movement of the Holy Spirit in these men saying yes— uh, and it continues to go. In fact, we even give sort of a nod to the encounter, which is coming to uh, Seagate Center in January. Patrick Rice and crew is going to be a big event. We'll tell you more, more about that later. later. Exactly. So let's get down to it. So, um, Rich and Connie, Rich, uh, tell us, share with us a little bit of the the story of discovering um, the cancer. Number one.
0: Well, I um, I'm half Irish, half German, so that. Uh, but um, the Irish, the Irish got the better of my skin, mm-hmm. and um, so I burn rather easily. And as a kid, I burn a lot. But I, uh, I had a melanoma scare maybe five or six years ago, and at the time we really thought it was a melanoma, and um, the doctor was in fact certain it was. It came back negative. Um, at the time, it was very nerve wracking, and um, uh, but we got through it. But by that, uh, because of that, I. I began having six-month checkups with my dermatologist, which I had never done that before. And so I was constantly checking my skin. Well, about two years ago, um, she removed a nodule right uh, on the backside of my arm above my elbow, so I couldn't see it. And um, she, at the time, she says, this doesn't look like anything, but I'm going to remove it. And so she removed it, and sure enough, it came back as it was a melanoma. Um because I got these regular skin intervals, we didn't think that it had penetrated the skin and it would be bad. But when they did the biopsy, it was, um, it was very aggressive. It had, uh, was deeper than we thought and uh, more aggressive than we thought. So um, I was referred to the University of Michigan, went up there. They said, let's have another surgery, remove more, and that's what we did. And, and basically, if you remove a melanoma, completely then you're done you're cured if you get it at the skin level it doesn't penetrate you are cured and so that's what we were hoping that's what we thought um so fast forward a year after that and i you know i'm uh, under the belief that i'm cured and i noticed a little nodule pop up right underneath the scar and again it looked like a little pimple Mm. and a couple of weeks um prior to me to discovering it or you know uh, dis- us discovering it was melanoma i showed connie and, and she looked at it she says yeah it just kind of looks like a pimple you know um, it
3: looked like scar tissue because it was right in the scar mm-hmm. so it was just a little thing in the scar
0: yeah so teenagers,
1: acne it's just kind of yeah
0: so <laughs> we didn't think much of it sure. so anyways a couple weeks later i actually went on a retreat father adam at saint joan of arc had a mm-hmm. silent retreat uh at the Lial Center, and it was an all all men's retreat, and uh, the topic that weekend was the Desert Fathers, and really a, a lot of the, the discussion focused on death, um, and uh, you know, um, I had brought my spiritual warfare book with me that weekend, and he talked a lot about mm. Saint Anthony of the Desert. My middle name is Anthony, so I had. Um, an attachment to Anthony of the Desert. And uh, so, but there was a, a theme of death that weekend. It, w- it was kind of, it was pretty deep, to tell you the truth. Um, but uh, that evening, I was reading my Bible um, in silence in my room, and um, my arm just kept itching. It, it was it was like nonstop itching uh, where the melanoma was. I, and I just kept scratching it and... Finally, I looked at it and um, it had turned a different color. It had turned purplish. It had gotten bigger, mm-hmm. and I hadn't looked at it in some time, you know, in a you know maybe a couple of days or something. And um, I decided I wasn't going to use my phone that weekend, but I decided I was going to Google, you know, what happens if melanoma comes back. Mm-hmm. And it took me minutes to discover, you know, this is really bad. I knew it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and basically, what what happens with melanoma, if it penetrates your skin, it goes metastatic, and um, so you're immediately four stage, and and then it, it can spread all over pretty quickly, and so if you get it on the surface of the skin, everything's good. Once it goes metastatic, it's really bad. So I I was immediately. Uh, knowing that this was really, really bad. Um, I I went to the chapel, and I started to pray, and I really started to, uh, you know, really, it it was more of a cry to God, Mm -hmm. why God, why? Because I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why why, why are you doing this? Why, you know, and I I kept thinking in my family, I said, I can't, you know, you know, for my family's sake, you can't take me. You just can't take me. And because I knew the consequences. I mean, metastatic melanoma is one of the deadliest skin cancers there is. And, um, so anyways, I, uh, I, I cried out to God. I said, why? I was in the chapel for maybe an hour and I left the chapel and it was maybe ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. And one of my friends was there, Joe and, uh, I don't know what he was doing there, but he had a book, and he says, "Rich, you got to read this book. You're, you're, you got to read this page. It's just so good." And I'm like, "Joe, what do you want? You, you know, you want me to read?" It was this in page? sign language, yeah, because right?
2: it was a silent retreat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I said, "Okay, I'll read. I'll, I'll read it." And so I read this page, and it was about a father who's dealing with uncontrollable kids, and um, in the midst of him trying to parent these kids, he discovers that you know. Uh, God is our Father, and God mm. is going to father His kids, and you need to surrender your kids to God, wow. because that is, you know, we are the foster parents. God is the parent. Uh, surrender your yeah. kid, your kids, to, to God. And and at that moment, I, I thought, wow, I you know, number one, I knew it was all true. I knew my melanoma w- was what it was, and second, I, I was like. I I didn't know how to accept this. I just didn't know how to. But anyways, I went home that weekend and um, I told Connie about the retreat and I said, and then I told her about the melanoma. And she was, she was worried, but she wasn't nearly as worried as I was. Um, She says, you know, it'll be okay.
3: Do you remember that moment, Connie? Well, he came home from the retreat really, really quiet Mm. and he, didn't want to talk at all. So he didn't really tell me at first. He mm-hmm. just was really, really quiet. And, you know, you come home and kids are there and dinner. It's 5 o'clock. You got to get through all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I just let him go. And then, you know, probably 9 o'clock or so as you're winding down on Sunday night, I'm like, what is up? Mm-hmm. So, And then he showed me his arm. He sh- And I knew right away right. that was bad because we knew What metastatic melanoma? What the treatment plans were a couple years ago, and what the results were, and they weren't good. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we just—I just knew right away. Wow.
1: So, so so continue, Rich. I was blessed, of course, to be on that retreat um, at the same time, and uh, I wouldn't have known because you were carrying it close, and you always have a sense of a spiritual um, demeanor about you. Um, and it was, I think, maybe a week later. So keep sharing with us, but I think it was a week later we connected. But uh, how did it play out that following week, week and a half, two weeks?
0: So anyways, I called the the doctor the next morning. She got me in on Wednesday. She got me in as quick as she could. Um, and uh, when she came in and looked at it, I could see it in her face. She says, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyways, uh, she says, yeah, this is this looks like melanoma. And um, she says, I'm going to take a biopsy. Well, I kind of got mad at her because the last time she took a bio you know, got the the cancer out, it took a, a month or more to do the surgery. I said, can we just get this thing out now? <laughs> and she says, you know what, uh, there's a surgeon on staff, let me go get him. So she got another doctor and just a wonderful doctor. And he did the surgery to get get this uh nodule out and he said he said immediately he says i can tell you right now if it's going to be uh cancerous or not and so um he it took him about five minutes to cut it out Mm -hmm. and he pulled it out and he says i hate to tell you this is bad news this is Mm -hmm. this is a tumor and he he showed it to me so i knew what we had now at at that point in time the question was had it spread from my arm further and um so I was in a bad place because I, you know, um, my mind was, was just uh, playing tricks on me at that point in time. And, and it, it wanted to go in two places. Number one, um, it wanted to go fast forward to my funeral and what's that look like? Mm. And, then, and then the second is uh, what are the things I could have done over the last 12 months to prevent this? And and so this feeling of really worry and fear, uh, regret, um, just despondency and despair. I mean, so all of these emotions are just kind of attacking me all at once. And you know that it, it was kind of interesting. I was reading that spiritual warfare book, which is a great book. Um, and the Desert Fathers were so good at dealing with uh, with war or spiritual warfare. But I was under spiritual attack at that mm. at that moment. Um, it was it was great, uh, great luck on our part. Connie had been to to church that day at Saint Joan of Arc, and she had talked with Deacon Ed, and Deacon Ed gave her a uh, novena, an I surrender to Jesus novena, mm. and um, she brought that home and and she said, uh, Deacon Ed says you need this, and of course I did need it, um, and you know. Through all the things I've been over the last twelve years, you think your spiritual life is pretty strong, and then you realize how weak you are. Right. Right. And I was unbelievably weak, and in a, a moment of great spiritual uh, need, so I started that. Uh, you know, both of us we said, we "Did Let's, it together." We did it together, and we did it. Started it the next day, and it's a nine-day novena, and and Father or uh, Jesus gave this novena to, uh, to a priest. A number of years ago, it's the most beautiful and simple novena I've ever prayed in my mm-hmm. life. But it ends with "Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything." Mm-hmm. And in essence, it's it's a, a complete surrender to Jesus. And so we went through that nine days, and I will tell you, by the ninth day, I my mind was completely different than it was uh-huh. the first day. I uh, I was hopeful. I was um, you know, just my whole demeanor had changed to uh, hopefulness rather than hopelessness. And um, it, and at the same time, I started to, to kind of think about all the things I had to surrender to him. Now here, you know, the first thing I'm worried about is my family, my kids, sure, my wife. Sure. And, you know, and I had to surrender them to him. Um the second thing was our business. You know, here I I just bought this business. I'm thinking I I owe a lot of money. <laughs> you know, if I'm not around, what happened?
2: <laughs> you led this God. What are you doing? Right.
0: So, um, yeah. So you know, how am I going to do that? And and so I, I had to I had to surrender the business to him. You know, I said, okay, God, if I'm the president, you're the CEO. So you're running the company, <laughs> whether <laughs> I'm there CEO. or not. You're running the company. <laughs> So I, I had to do that and then r- really the the um, the surrender of uh, all the negative stuff is really the hardest, but it's the most weightlift uh, weightlifting or whatever you mm-hmm. call it. but um, you know that that fear, that worry, the despondency, the despair, all those things i I, I realized I have to surrender that and and quite frankly, that's sometimes the most difficult thing sure. to surrender, because we I, I desired it. I desired, you know, uh, you know, I, these feelings are mine, and uh, I'm going to feel the way I want to feel, you know? And um, so I, I just... But you have to surrender that like you surrender everything else, and I think that was the last thing I was able to surrender. But that is... It, it, it was uh, life-opening for me, because after that moment, I mean, Connie and I didn't, you know, we didn't have these fears and worries and all these things. And I think part of it was just the prayers that people were extending. Overwhelming number of prayers started coming. I'm going to pause you a
1: second. So beautiful story up to this point. You're facing the reality that we all face, but in an imminent way. You're a husband, uh, father, and you know you've got all these obligations. You're learning surrender. So as you said, you thought you had faith until you faced And I really, folks, invite us to be attuned to that. You know, are we really attuned if we were faced with this moment? So you're you're about ready to talk about the outpouring of prayer, which we are blessed to experience in many people. Um, we talked about this before, Rich, um, both before the show and over the last months. The challenge maybe of opening the door and really humbling ourselves to ask other people to pray for us. Touch a little bit upon upon the power, the challenge of that, but. The the power of that, and maybe even the blessings of that with maybe people who prior to this weren't necessarily about prayer and the difference it made in their lives.
0: Well, I'm going to let Connie kind of lead this, because I was kind of dealing with my own issues, and Connie was kind of dealing with Mm. everyone else. I became
3: the family spokesperson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, People didn't necessarily want to ask Rich, and it's so humbling to even be in the position— not even to just ask for prayers, but to just tell people what's going on. You know, we've lived just a a nice, normal, blessed, beyond blessed life that you know when people you you want to tell people but you don't want to tell people, and so it's just a funny situation to be in.
0: Um, um, but let me just interrupt for one second because one thing I did do is I, I met with Father Adam right after you know all our diagnosis Finish. and everything, and uh, he, he and I had a great spiritual talk, and he, he says, let's take our cause, the Blessed Solanus Casey. And Blessed Solanus had just been beatified, and I said, that would be great. And to tell you the truth, I didn't know a lot about Blessed Solanus. Um, I have since learned that he died of a skin disease, and his first cure was a woman with a skin disease. Mm. Right, and so, um, so I, I told Connie that after our meeting, and then she kind of told everybody else. Right, also. so
3: I shared, you know, that with some people, and and what's amazing is that some friends took it upon themselves to figure that out. So Molly McCartney and Patty Savage McNamara um, realized very quickly that November thirtieth through December 9th, was the new novena to Blessed Solanus Casey. And all this is really, by the time he's getting PET scans and everything, it's all right around Thanksgiving. And by that week before, November 30th, they're sending out an email that literally went around the world. Mm-hmm. Um gives me chills. You know,
2: yeah.
3: people were emailing us, letting us know that they were praying for us. Um,
0: and and one thing by this time we had known that the cancer had spread, and I'd got PET scans, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we had seven tumors, or I had seven tumors in in various places mm-hmm. uh, amongst my body. So uh, it, we knew that the situation was was not good.
3: And also, what happened that that same week was also the first time he had an appointment with an oncologist at University of Michigan. So um, we went into that meeting at University of Michigan with very little hope, to be honest, because we knew that metastatic melanoma had zero chance of recovery with chemotherapy or radiation. Um, What we didn't know was that um, immune therapy had really been developed in the last few years. We knew when he had it the first time that it was starting. And I remember them saying it was a case of kill the patient or kill the cancer so that's you know where it had come in the last couple of years um so he was set to begin immune therapy the first week of december so all this just happened really really quickly we're also dealing with setting up financial plans and wills and me learning the business and a million other things um but all of a sudden we're getting cards we're getting prayers we're getting offers for dinners just everything you can imagine and uh just the the people praying and then the people having other prayer groups pray it it was overwhelming but it was powerful i can tell you i don't think i don't know what you would do if you were in the same situation we were in and you didn't have faith because you would have no hope you would have no sense of of a future you would have no sense of community like we had it was truly amazing and Greg, we did get stories of, of people we know. I mean, just recently we were with Rich's family and uh he has a, a brother in law who said, I've said that prayer to Solanus Casey every day since. Wow. He's a Presbyterian. Wow. I mean <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, That's great. You know, uh, we we all have those people in our family, um, or friends that that we don't think pray or we're not even sure that they believe in God anymore. And um you know, people have shared with us that that our witness to faith, our witness to belief in prayer, and them watching us through this journey has strengthened their faith. So, you know, I think God can make good come of all things, and I don't believe He's done with Rich Cronin yet. And
0: <laughs> well, and during that uh, that f- for a number of years leading up to this, I you know I always pray for my family. Um, to come back to the church our, our family is in various stages of of their own mm-hmm. christian life some you know uh, firmly in the catholic church all the way to non-believers you know mm-hmm. and everything in between and there's a lot of us and so i always prayed for them every day when i when i go to mass and here we were in a situation where now they were praying for me mm-hmm. all of them and even the non-believers were telling me they're praying this prayer, and so it was so humbling and very. It was just so such a great feeling to know that uh, that they were all praying for for me, and that they're all praying and 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 hopefully coming closer to God, and that was uh, our desire in all of this. You know, I, during the whole. Period over the last ten months, I've often said, you know, in many ways, this has been the greatest blessing Mm -hmm. that that we could have had because it has brought us very close to God. It has brought us closer to our family and friends. Um, And there wasn't really a day this year I felt I felt sick physically, but I never got out of bed where I was mentally hopeless or Mm -hmm. frustrated or anything else. I, I was always upbeat and. I can only attribute that to prayers. I mean, I can't attribute that to anything else because the power of prayer was so strong, uh, it really uplifted us every day.
1: So give us—that's so beautiful. I'm looking at the time, and, and hopefully, hopefully we'll have a chapter, two, because you guys have been such a blessing to us and in this community and so much wisdom to share and all those who are listening. But um, paint the picture for us a little bit of the moments leading up to the phone call or how you found out that Friday a few weeks ago. And your experience upon hearing the news?
0: Well, we um, so during this last nine months, um, I was supposed to have treatments every three weeks and then every two weeks, and uh, I had real severe side effects during the whole time. So instead of having you know you know a dozen or more treatments, I had four treatments mm-hmm. over the last nine ten months, and the rest of the time I've just been dealing with side effects. And my side effects this last time have been so bad that the doctor had said, you know... Um, no more. No more. We, I can't give you any more immune therapy. And we're like, well, what do we do if it's not working?
3: So from a clinical perspective, it really didn't look good because all this time you're supposed to be getting treatments. He gets one and then he has to wait months before he gets the next one. And through all that, even though he was very sick, you don't really know what's going on inside. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and we had evidence that it was working, because we had a CAT scan uh, back in March, and the tumors had been shrinking, but we didn't know. So anyways, in September, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he had ordered CAT scans again, and we were hoping that uh, they had been greatly reduced or even gone, uh, because there is no step two. Uh, You know, we didn't know. Um, And so, yeah, so we went to the doctor's office, and... And Dr. Lau says, so did you look at the results? And I said, no. And he said, well, why not? I said, because I figured you were going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> You're the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, well, I don't like to get too excited or too too high or too low, but he says, this is great news. The cancer is gone. And, I, you know, inside it was praise God. I, I'm a pretty reserved person. I kind of held it in, and Connie kind of held it in, and we didn't really know what to do. Um, but, uh, you know, we just asked a lot of questions, you know, can it come back, you know. Um, and he said the chances of it coming back are very slim. And uh, and so we left there uh, feeling great, um, feeling very, very good. And it, it just happened that uh, that weekend was probably one of the worst weekends of, the, of my side effects that Aww. I had. <laughs> so I didn't get to enjoy it too much. But But inside, I was just uh, ecstatic. And then um, I don't know if you have anything to share with that.
3: I mean, it's just pretty amazing just to look. They showed us side by side the PET scan before and the PET scan after. And uh, we never looked at the before picture either because we didn't want to know. But um, there were seven good-sized tumors, and now they're all gone. Wow. So...
1: So, folks, with some remaining moments left, you're tuning in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie. And uh, we are with the Cronins sharing this powerful story, this powerful journey um, of discovering uh, that they had terminal illness, cancer, Rich, and then just praying in the community, outpouring prayers. And Rich's uh, ever-deeper encounter of Christ through Solanus Casey, the Novena, and inviting people to pray, the holy community that corresponds to Holy Communion, which should punctuate for all of us listening right now, whatever needs that you have, um, to bring them to God, to bring them to his very presence. Um, Rich and Connie, uh, are there, with a few moments that we have, I don't know, you've always mentioned there's been a pronounced transformation, it continues. Have you ever thought, is there any clarity on, on renewed purpose? You've already had a godly purpose in your life, but has there been any crystallizing as a result of this process? On the other end,
3: I just feel like now I just, oh, God, so many prayers of thanksgiving every single day. Um, If I just spend the rest of my life praising him and thanking him and praying for others in need. That's just step one of 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 repaying or, you know, just giving thanks to God is. For what Sacrifice of, of I think we have a special
1: it. caller on the line possibly in the last minute John Paul, I don't think you can confirm that yes okay, maybe not as we're concluding here we were hoping actually that your daughters were going to be able to call in but we do pray for God's blessing upon them and it's Maddie's birthday in a special way and as we conclude here tonight we just pray in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen Lord, and thanksgiving for the gift of life physical life and spiritual life that we are all here for a purpose and every difficulty and struggle and challenge. We're never closer to you in those struggles. And you unite us together, Lord, to experience your grace alive in community. We just pray for healing tonight. Heart, mind, body, and soul to have confidence in you for your glory. We ask this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.